Hello and welcome to Opening the Gates to More Listings for Estate Agents with me, Simon Gates, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Mr. Chris Webb. Chris, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, thank you for having me on, Simon. A pleasure. No, it's an absolute pleasure uh, from this side as well. I want to start with uh, collaboration in this industry and just I feel like there's there's just so much like positive energy around at the moment. And I, I say that because you kindly messaged me on LinkedIn a little while ago saying congrats on a new business seems to be going well and then we were messaging you said oh I'm actually going and doing my own thing as well so it's like cool and I was like do you want to come on the podcast so like obviously we're both in a similar field in terms of consulting for estate agents and from the estate agency background we're both from surely we should be hating each other and not talking to each other yeah, and I think that, um, you know, I think that you have to kind of look inside your head on that one. There's a very irrational versus logical mindset on that. So irrationally, absolutely right. You know, it's me versus you. It's dog eat dog. Let's go for it sort of thing. In reality, you know, there's, there's 22,000 estate owners in the UK. My my goal for the first year is to have 50 clients. So that is a Test of my Monday morning math here, what, 0.002524% of the marketplace. So there's probably enough space for both of us, I'd say, in that market space, if I look at it on a logical point of view. But yeah, on a, on a purely emotional point of view, absolutely right. So I think there's a, a, a sensible way of looking at it and going, actually, we should be working together to improve what we're doing. If I can help you out and you can help me out, we both improve. You know, we both win sort of thing. You give me a hand up, I give you a hand up, we all go in the right direction sort of thing. Or we go completely negative and we just push each other down and we all go in the wrong direction sort of thing. So I think there's a a certain maturity, should we say, yeah. in the years. And that is that really, you know, yeah, an eye for an eye leaves us all blind, doesn't it, in the grand, in the grand scheme of things. So what's the point of you know not, not trying to help each other out and not trying each other to pull each other out in the industry and pushing the whole thing up forward? That, that's the way I see it. Yeah, 100%. And on what you were saying, I think when uh, I was doing a little bit of prep work, Chris, for these podcasts, I do a little bit. You've been in the industry like about 20, 20 years, coming up 20 years? Yeah, 20 years. Yeah, I started when I was um, just about 18 and I'm soon to turn 38, unfortunately. So okay. yeah, about 20 years. And have you have you seen a massive change in that time of collaboration? Because I'm completely with you. Like if all agents of you've got to have competition because some healthy competition and rivalry is going to, you know, help everyone get yep. better results. I've, you know, look at it from, I've used this analogy before, but like tennis, Federer, Djokovic, Nadal, mm-hmm. like would they be as good as they are without that healthy competition? But collaboration wise over the last 20 years, have you seen more a more collaborative approach you think as time's gone by? Yeah, I think there's a, um, again, it's probably a maturity thing. I don't know if it's a yeah. you know, industry maturing or whatever it may be. Obviously, it's been around for a long time already. But certainly when I first started, it was very dog-eat-dog. And you knew who the other estate agents were up against. You knew who their staff were. And it was you versus them, very much so. And it was almost bred into you to hate them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that sounds awful. You know, I'm, I'm a very nice, loving person. I don't hate anybody, but it was bred into you to, you know, say, oh, they're the competition. We need to get them. Well, they've got so and so. We need to get two. They've got what, you know, and that was the way it was, sort of thing. Um, which I think as time goes by, and I think it's probably been sped up slightly by the sort of uh, one person band loan estate agent sort of direction going forward a bit as well. 
because when I used to um, have my previous job, a, a lot of the communications I would get would be from from lone workers. And it's because they didn't have anybody to bounce off at all. They had no co-worker to say, am I being nuts today? Is this right? Is it wrong? Sort of thing. So I think the it's it's just more beneficial these days where people are on their own. They want someone to reach out to, yeah. want, want to talk to somebody and say, am I actually doing the right thing? Is it me? Is it them? Am I, am I going in the right direction? Because I think a lot of estate agents can't see the wood for the tree sometimes. So sometimes it's nice to actually talk to somebody and say to them, this is what I'm doing. Am I going the right direction? Am I right? Am I wrong? Is this good? Is this bad sort of thing? Because all I see is market appraisals, instructions, viewings, offers, sales, day in, day out. So I think that's definitely been sped up by that coming through. But I think it's a, a massively beneficial thing. It's a, it's a great thing. And yeah, more the better, as far as I can see. Yeah, agreed. And on something you'd said earlier when you, you said uh, working out the, the maths on a Monday morning, so kudos to you for that, but the naught point, naught, 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 like whatever what, whatever the, the figure was, um, in terms of you've obviously looked at that, worked out figures, reverse engineered that. So um, that just made me immediately think of, you know, that is something estate agents 100% need to do, right? Need to look at their, the size of their market, Right, how many properties transact each year? What fees do we need to charge? How many houses do we need to sell? How much money do we need to invest to get to that? So is that something you kind of will be discussing or are discussing with the clients you already brought on board? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's about having a clear, defined goal for your business. Mm. And, that, and that could be financial. It could be, you know, I want to earn £100,000 next year, or it could be I want to sell 50 properties or whatever it may be. Um and that is that should answer most of your questions, what you should be doing on a daily basis if you have one clear goal. So a great example for this, love him or hate him, Elon Musk. So uh, yeah. SpaceX, their one goal is to colonize Mars. That's it. And so I'm sure if Elon sat around, if he ever does sit around and thinks to himself, what should I be doing today? Or should I be doing this job? Yes or no? Unless the answer is it takes me a step closer to colonizing Mars. The answer is no. And so if your your mission or your goal for that year, month, five year period, whatever it may be, is to get to £100,000, for example, if you're not going in that direction, actually doing something that is in the opposite direction, you probably shouldn't be doing it. But to start off with, you need to have that clear direction and clear goal in your business. And I'll answer most of your questions, what you should be doing day in, day out. And what, what's, the, what's the best way that kind of, in your opinion, state agents should be like doing that? How do they how do they set those goals to their kind of realistic and achievable, but also not just in their comfort zone, like ones that they can really push to to get towards. Yeah, so um, slightly funny story. I, I had a chat with um, Sean Newman the other day, and um, he was over in Dubai at the moment, and we we're having a chat about you know, how he's getting on, how I'm getting on and whatever else. And he said, oh, hey, getting on, what's your, what's your sort of targets for the year? And I said, oh, I've got, you know, I'm looking to sign up 50 clients this year sort of thing. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got some targets for the business as well. And it's read off these targets that he had set for himself. And I was like, Jesus, I am like, I'm pitching this low for me sort of thing. He was saying, I'm, I'm getting a thousand this, a thousand that, I'm going to run this, I'm going to run that. And I thought to myself, wow, this guy is, you know, pitching to the stars here beyond belief and he's probably going to hit it. So I think there's a, a level of realism needed. And if you know your figures and you know where your business is starting from from day one and where you want to get to, you can definitely work it backwards. And it's about making that into sort of bite-sized chunks, if you will, because it's very easy to sit back and go, right, I want to earn £100,000 this year. Yeah. Let's let's begin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, big, a big goal to go for. But actually, if you you know your figures, you know your conversions, you can work that back to a monthly, weekly, hourly, 
daily basis where you go, actually, I know if I deliver 200 leaflets per day, I knock on 10 doors per day and I get a sale a week. Cool. The rest will look after itself sort of thing. So it's about breaking that down as far as you possibly can to make it as granular as you possibly can do. You know, I could look at a diet, deliver 200 leaflets, I could knock on 10 doors, I could do whatever it may be. But if you say to me, Hear me here's me dropping the 100,000 pound bomb, where do I start sort of thing? Yeah, no, I, I love that. And uh, in, ter in terms of Sean, uh, yeah, he, he, yeah, is a very uh, motivational uh, individual. And I guess he's um, probably got, 20 years on you uh let's say um although you wouldn't think it how bloody active that guy is but so. i guess that was a very good example in my mind when you said what you said of don't compare so it sounds so cliche but don't compare your chapter one with someone else's chapter 10 because sean's you know been in business uh, a business owner for a very very long time um yep. and it's interesting again what you'd said there because it's weird how our brains work because uh what are we now? We're recording this in the middle of May. So in the middle of February, um, when I was two weeks into handing in my notice to my job and two weeks away from sort of soft launching what I was doing, if you said to me, Simon, you'll be where you are now in the new business, I would snatch your arm off and I would have been running a mile going, yep, happy, take it. Whereas you get to that point and we're, ne we're like never satisfied as human beings. Like I'm now like, what's next? Like, have I have I underestimated where where I can potentially get to? So um, it's interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, have you heard of a phrase like hedonic treadmill? Have you ever I've not, no. heard of that? So the hedonic treadmill is essentially where you're just constantly chasing the next uh, buzz. So, again, uh, Johnny Wilkinson, a high performance podcast, he said that he enjoyed winning the 2003 World Cup for like 10, 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. And he's like, great, I've won it. <laughs> what next and you're like that that's incredible you know so um in in terms of uh the sort of 20 years you spent in the industry when i did a little bit of, of research and probably if i get any of this wrong you've been in like independent environment corporate environment franchise environment so like what what would you say are some really big learnings for you from having been in those in those different setups yeah, absolutely. So I um, started my career in 2004. Um, so market was pretty good. Yeah. Things. Um, my first boss was Ian McKenzie. Um, who oh, okay. So little connection. Obviously, Ian's very well known. Um, and I was, in hindsight, very lucky to have him as my first boss. You know, yeah. Ian is probably one of the best estate agents in the UK by quite some way sort of thing. You know, brilliant at his job, brilliant what he does sort of thing. Um, has a very high bar to work with. Um, so therefore, you need to shape up pretty darn quickly, even if you are an 18-year-old with blonde highlights and a stupid haircut and a bad thing suit and whatever else it may be. So that was a, a blessing in disguise, um, ultimately. Um, and I was there for five years, six years sort of direction. Um, and... That was great. I think working for independents are really super. You know, your boss is sat behind you, basically. Yeah, yeah. So there's no hierarchy at all. There's no sort of, you know, you need to go to the HR department because, they, you know, it's it's Tina who sat next to you sort of thing. So that that's great. Um, I've always enjoyed working in franchising. I think franchises are really good. And the reason why I've enjoyed it so much is because I, I enjoy the sort of uh, joint aim of the of the business so as a franchisor you want your offices to do really well because obviously you want to earn money off the back of it as a franchisee you want to earn do really well because you want to earn really well sort of thing yes you may give away 
10% of your income or whatever else it may be. But ultimately, you should get more value from the, the franchise or that we should kind of write that off pretty quickly. Um, the corporate estate agent. Hmm. Um, so I worked for Countrywide for a year. I wouldn't say um, it was the best time of my life in the grand scheme of things. I did not enjoy the micromanaging. You should do this spreadsheets twice a day, video calls twice a day, whatever else, or phone calls twice a day back then. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, it taught me a lot about sort of generating business, doing yeah. like mindset and all those sort of the training side behind it was really good as well. Um, would I go back to it? Not in a million years, but looking back, it was a good thing to do. So yeah, I've certainly done the rounds when it comes to different styles of estate agency and there's pros and cons to all of them. Um, but ultimately, the day, you, you're just dealing with people. That That's yeah. it, it, different structures involved with that. Yeah, li literally, yeah. Whether you're corporate franchise, independent, self-employed model, whatever other models there may be in the future, this business will always remain about people, won't it? <laughs> so absolutely, absolutely. And to um and to make you feel better about your um previous point about comparing chapter one to chapter ten, I think you picked that chapter. I usually pick chapter twenty. I don't know why. It's nice <laughs> um, so I I've had that with you actually, Simon. Whether you whether you knew it or not, I had it with you. So when you when you first messaged me to say, oh, do you want to come on the podcast sort of thing? When are you free? And I turned around saying, oh, yeah, I'm I'm free on Thursday. And you came around saying, oh, actually, I'm free in like three weeks time. I was like, oh, <laughs> I shouldn't have said Thursday. Why didn't I say like a month's time sort of thing? Why did I pick something so soon? And I had to actually you know take a step back and go, look, you know, Simon's been running now for like three, four months. He's like a chapter ahead of you sort of thing with regard to running his own business. So, yes, you're free on Thursday and he's not free for three weeks. But give yourself a month's time, two months time you know, you'll be booked up for three weeks time or a month's time sort of thing. So uh, there we go. I've had that same situation with yourself. So, uh... well, it's just because I, I, was, I was on the golf course, probably. Uh, that's, what, <laughs> that's, what, that's what most people think. They think yeah. it's just on the golf course all the time. Um, so in terms of that 20 years um, experience, independent corporate franchise, this can be a really tough question to ask. Um, so you can potentially give multiple answers. But what would you say has been the, the best piece of advice you've been given or what was something that's that stuck with you from perhaps many years ago when when first working with Ian or, or someone else yeah sure so um yeah I've probably got some like the Ian that have stuck with me over the years should we say um Ian you say the de the definition of customer service is call the client before they call you and that one has stuck with me for a very yeah. long time so whenever anyone says to me oh yeah they're calling me back on Monday or they're calling me back when they get back from holiday or they're touching base with me no, 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 no. You're calling them when they get back from holiday. You're calling them when they get back from being away sort of thing. So that one has stuck with me um, by quite some amount. I try and use that as much as I possibly can. Um, and probably perception is reality. I'm sure Ian probably mm. still uses that one today. Um, so if you perceive yourself to have done a good job or they perceive you've done a good job, you have done a good job. And if they perceive that you've done a terrible job and you think you've done a good job, you've probably done a terrible job. So there is that sort of reality and taking a view on the situation of actually their thoughts on it and of what they think you've done and how they kind of view that for themselves. And that is ultimately the answer to the question. Yeah, I love that. And just just on the, the point of Ian, um, I don't know if, if you've uh, uh, listened to it, but anyone uh, listening now, if you haven't already, go check out uh, the Home Stretch podcast, uh, which is a Guild podcast that uh, Ian does with uh, a lady called Hobbit, uh, Holly. They've had some fantastic guests on that. And I'm normally listening to it frantically writing notes because <laughs> some of the stuff that comes out of their mouths is, is brilliant so i'm r and ding that definitely stealing <laughs> a lot of uh, of what is said uh, and using that with my clients um so just fast forward then from from you starting 2004 you then come into uh well you, you've got a few years of the market going crazy transaction levels are high 
uh, property prices going through the roof. We then get to sort of 08, 09 and everything goes peak tong. Uh, for anyone listening to this podcast who's been in the industry less than a decade, who didn't experience that big shift and that we're in a shift in market right now, I'm not comparing it to 08, 09 because I think it's different. But is there is there any advice you give to anyone listening in terms of like your experiences from that time? Yeah, um, biggest bit of advice would be communication. Mm. That, that, that's it, communication across the board. So um, you can only do what you can do in some situations. And, you know, went from a marketplace in 2008 where, you know, you'd, you'd go and value a property and someone would phone you saying, oh, can we put it on the market for 30 grand more, 40 grand more? And you'd be like, <laughs> yeah, all right, fair enough. That's no, no problem at all sort of thing. And they'd be queuing around the block for it sort of thing. Um, you know, I remember... I used to work on Sundays and I remember Ian coming in one um, one Monday and I said, oh, I'm really sorry, mate. I only sold five houses on Sunday this week. And he was like, oh, it's all right, mate. We'll, we'll get some more next weekend sort of thing. So <laughs> that, you know, crazy, crazy marketplace sort of thing. Um, to then sort of 2008 where um, it got very quiet, very quickly, obviously, you know, lack of affordability out there, lack of funding, et cetera, um, very quickly. And it was about looking at the the marketplace you had and the listings you had, which ones were motivated to sell, which ones weren't motivated to sell. Um, and it went from, you know, vendor care being, you know, almost optional because things were selling so quickly, you would almost yeah. not, not to do it. So now that, you know, you'd be speaking to your vendors twice a week sort of thing, just to say, look, this is what's going on. This is what I'm doing because your vendor update was, I've got 15 viewings for you on Saturday sort of thing, strap yourself in and clean your house sort of thing. Whereas, when the market tightened up, you had to have that high level of communication with your vendors to say, this is what's going on. This is what your expectation should be. This is the reality should be. This is what's going to go from here. So the the levels of customer care had to go through the roof. And I think that the really smart agents had that customer care already. Yeah. They had that that process in there and it wasn't, you know, they're only just, you know, just suddenly thought about doing vendor care when the market toughened up and, oh, we better do that sort of thing. They had those processes in place already um, and therefore that just kind of geared up as it went across. And you sometimes speak to agents even today and they go, oh, I don't phone my vendors because I've got nothing to say to them sort of thing. They know it's a so market or they know this. And it's like, no, that is when they're going to leave you. When you're, when you're phoning them four times a week to say, I've got viewings, I've got offers, I've got this going on. You've almost, your vendor care is almost taken care of in part of that package. But when you've got almost nothing to say, you need to go on the, fo- on the phone and have a conversation. Because if you don't speak to them, they're not thinking to themselves, oh, Simon's out there doing the work for me. He's working yeah, yeah. really hard. They're probably thinking Simon's on the next instruction. He's off on the golf course. He's off doing whatever, <laughs> apart from trying to sell my property sort of thing. So that's when you really need to gear it up. And that's the one learning that I really took from that sort of period of time is the vendor care and communication across the board. And not only with vendors alone, but also with buyers as well. You know, it's it's... A case that you go from a marketplace where buyers were tripping over themselves, you know, yeah. to get, get in the office and you'd have a queue of people to come and see you on a Saturday morning. You'd have like a carousel of people just yeah. next person, next person, next person. So then no one comes in sort of thing. And the, the customer care that you have with your clients at that stage. And if you gave them good customer care, you've got to be thinking to yourself, OK, they're going to come back to me. They're going to sell at some point, whether that's in one month's time, five years time, 10 years time. Those those viewings of today are my customers of the future. So it's very short-sighted to not give them a brilliant experience and a brilliant service because they are going to be your vendors. And even that applies to lettings, for example. You've got someone who's going to rent rent a property to yourself. It shouldn't just be, oh, they're just a tenant because that, you know, they could be a multiple landlord. It just happens to be yeah. renting a property sort of thing at that time. So it's about having that really high bar of customer service across the board and explaining to homos exactly what you're doing to try and sell their property. Because if they don't hear anything from you, they think you're doing nothing. Yeah. I, I... 
absolutely like love all of that. I thought it was absolutely class. And yeah, you've got to over communicate uh, at the moment. And I, it, there were so many things going through my head when when you when you were saying that. And one thing in particular I thought of was having a conversation with an agent the other day, and they were looking at targeting other estate agents' properties uh, as as they do, and sixty percent of their own properties remained unsold. Um, and I just said, let's stop for a second. You're looking at targeting properties that are unsold with other agents, and yes, that is um, a fair you know form of marketing. But agents are going to be doing the same thing to your properties if half of them are unsold. And I said, let's go through them and look at some some basics. Like you said, what are their needs and wants and motivations to moving? You know, when was the last time you had a conversation with them? What's their marketing looking like? What their pricing is looking like? And it's just some really, really simple things. And, you know, I, I would expect agents listening to this podcast wouldn't fall into this category. But you can go on to Right Move right now and see properties that have got Christmas trees up in the living room. They have got snow on the driveway, for example, you know, no leaves on the trees. Uh, they've got the 99p pricing. And you think just go back through your uh, sales listings and go, which ones are these? You know, do they have the world class basics when it comes to, you know, the price, presentation, promotion and uh, go and have a conversation with them uh, again over communicating. You know, let's say I've had Chris Webb who kept saying to me every time we spoke, I'm not dropping the price, not dropping the price, not dropping the price. And you, you look at their name, and you go, I'm not going to ring Chris because it's too much money. He knows that, but he won't drop the price. But then funnily enough, you ring Chris and you go, Simon, I just found the house of my dreams over the weekend. I'm ready to change the price because I need to get sold. And maybe if you hadn't made that phone call, Chris was going to go and put his house on the market with the agent he found with. Yep. You know, so I, I, yeah, I love everything you were saying there with, with over communication. I think that you will massively stand out from your competition in over communicating because I, I've definitely fallen into this trap. And I don't know about you, Chris, but you go chasing lots of new leads and you go, right, I want more market appraisals, I want more market appraisals. And you can get to service the clients you've already got. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's um, sort of sales funnel 101 sort of thing. You know, <laughs> yeah. Why why try and you know stuff some more stuff in the top of your funnel sort of thing when you've got some stuff at the bottom of the funnel, which is 95% of the way through the process already. You've done, they've responded to your marketing already. You've done the market appraisal. You've done your professional photographs and whatever else it may be. You've, you've taken on the, the introduction onto the market. You've done, the hard bit is done sort of thing by getting to that stage. Why not just put a little bit of extra effort into that rather than chasing sort of the next sort of shiny thing that's on the horizon? And, you know, that is really a low hanging fruit um, for a lot of estate agents. And there's lots of conversations to have with the state, very similar to what you've just had there and say, look, let's focus on this. First of all, you know, the market average at the moment is what, 70 percent, roughly speaking, your property should be under offer sort of thing. So if you're above that, absolutely brilliant. You know, that's good. You're, you're doing, you know, knocking out the park sort of thing. If you're below that, you've got some quick wins on your processes. And we need to look at your stock and go, right, what are you doing? How is your vendor care? Because you can look at it very quickly and go, you've got some sales there. Statistically, you know, you're 50% for sale, 50% sold. You've got some deals there, categorically. Yeah. So if you went through each of your vendors and said, right, actually, why are you moving again? And let's go back to day one. And what times go you're thinking about? And what's your priorities? And actually, you know, what would you accept for your property of the perfect buyer walk to the front door sort of thing? Um, you'll realize that the deals are there already. And so you don't need to be chasing the next shiny thing and sending this out and sending that out. Focus on what you've got first of all, and then you can go for that. And I think on on what you like said uh, a bit earlier as well, in the in terms of vendor care, there might be again some agents I could have been guilty of this over years going, 
well, what do I tell them? There's no news, like you said, but you should be telling them there's no news um, rather than them thinking, is he just on the golf course rather than actually selling my house? But there's always something like last week you had the, and I've, I've put out a post on this. You had, um, you know, another uh, bank rate rise and all the media will say is this is the highest rates have been in 15 years it's the you know dozenth one in a row da 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 and it's like well actually that's a good opportunity for you to go ring text whatsapp email whatever you're going to do those existing homeowners you've got in the market and say chris this is what happened in the last 24 hours this is what it means to market as a whole when are you free for us to have a catch-up to what it means to you and your move yeah absolutely so you know i think it's it's conveying across to homeowners exactly what you're doing to sell the properties one of the most yeah. frustrating bits about being an estate agent is when you get one of your mates or not so mates talk to you and they go, oh, I could be an estate agent. I could do yeah. sort of thing. You know, I bang on, right, move, do a couple of viewings and deal with the offers and then away we go sort of thing. And you think to yourself, okay, well, that's not exactly how it works sort of thing. So it's about getting across to homeowners who are on the market with yourself, potentially on the market with yourself or people who are trying to buy to yourselves. Exactly, this is what I do. And this is the processes I go through day in, day out. Um, this, this is what I'm trying to do behind the scenes across the board. And as I said earlier, lots of people fall in the trap of going that if I don't speak to them, they presume I'm working really hard. No, no, no. If you don't speak to them, they presume you're doing nothing. Maybe you moved on, next property, golf course, whatever else it may be. But you've got to get across there, right? This is what I'm doing to try and sell your home this week. You know, I've gone through, I've, you know, it's been yeah. 14 days now. I've reordered your right move photographs. They've changed a different order sort of thing. I've just changed the description slightly. I've got a chat with a bloke next week who said he's going to come back to me after going on holiday. We've sent out 20 details this week. I'm going to chase them up tomorrow sort of thing. You, know, you need to get across what you're doing. So by the time you get across and you have, you know, things like price reduction conversations, for example, um, they go, oh, I know you've exhausted absolutely every, every avenue in front of you. And I know this is the last resort. Right. So if you haven't spoken to them for four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it may be, and then you rock up one day and go, oh, good news, Mr. Jones, you need to drop your price down. Yeah. They'll go, oh, well, what have you been doing? You're just looking for kind of a, a quick deal or a quick sale sort of thing. So, yeah, communication absolutely is key in those situations. No, I love that. I think it's a very, very valuable conversation we've had this morning uh, on terms of the the over-servicing, uh, over-communicating on, on those existing vendors. Um, in terms of moving on to a, a couple of other points. So in terms of being very, very new into your business, how 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 did you feel like la last few months going, do you know what, I'm going to go do this? What 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 were the uh, emotions like, thoughts on it? Um, you know what? I've um, I've been very matter of fact about it. So okay. what, what I should do. So, OK, but the, the worst bit of going out on my own was Hannah Monoton. That that was the worst bit. So for me, the worst bit was having a video call with Nick at Move, And I said, Nick, look, I'd love to work with you guys. It's an absolutely brilliant sort of thing. But this is what I'm doing now sort of thing. It kind of, you know, to me, it kind of felt like, you know, going to your mates and saying, oh, I've loved hanging out with you guys for the last five years sort of thing. I'm going to go play my own game over here, actually, now with my yeah, sort of yeah. it kind of, you know, It wasn't really necessarily the job, but it was kind of the people and the culture and whatever else we're walking away from sort of thing. So by far, that has been the hardest bit. You know, outside of that, honestly, I haven't found it that bad. I know it sounds awful. I should be going, oh, it's I've really this and I've really that sort of thing. But for me, I've tried to take emotion out of it as much as possible. And, you know, what's the worst that can go wrong in the grand scheme of things? You know, it, it, is it a case of, you know, if it, if it goes brilliantly, cool, that's amazing. I'm, I'm absolutely all up for that. And I'm throwing my weight behind it, absolutely 110% sort of thing. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm not going to starve to death. I will be okay. You know, Chris Webb will continue past the estate and consultancy. Well, that's in 
one year's time, 20 years time, whatever it may be. So absolutely, from my point of view, you know, I'm throwing absolutely everything into it. I'm putting all my heart and soul into it sort of thing. And yes, there's going to be knockbacks. And yes, some people are going to say, actually, no, I don't want to work with you. And I'll go, okay, fair enough. And other people will say, yes, I do want to work with you. Cool. So I'm trying to take a big step back from that side. And I think without getting too deep on it, a lot of it is about knowing not necessarily how my mind works, but how I think about things and how a processing is going through. So a little, little story to kind of how I, I would kind of think about this. So first day of lockdown 2020. So I think it's like the first first of April. Actually, first day of lockdown was the 23rd of March, which is my birthday. So thank you very much. For it. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. Easy to remember. Um, and then about a week later, you're allowed to do one bit of exercise. And my one bit of exercise, I thought, I've always thought myself for a few years, I thought I could probably run a marathon. If I wanted to, I could probably do it. And so I thought, first day of lockdown, yeah, okay, right, let's give it a go. I've got no excuses not to do it sort of thing. Um, and I thought to myself, if I run around my house or around the local area sort of thing, I'll give up at some point. I'll, I'll get tired or I'll get exhausted or I'll get, you know, I'll get hungry or whatever else it may be, and I'll give up. So I thought to myself, what's the the, the one way I can go so I can't give up? And so I left my phone at home. I had my headphones and my watch on to record how far I've gone, because obviously if you don't record it on your watch, did it really happen? <laughs> um, and I literally drew a line from Winchester going north. 13, 13 and a bit miles. And I thought I'm going to run run that direction as far as I possibly can. No money, no nothing. And I thought to myself, well, I can't give up. Because if I stop at mile 10 or mile 15 or whatever it may be, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to wave down a bus and say, I haven't got any money, but can I get on the bus back to Winchester sort of thing? Or you know, what, what are my options? There is no plan B sort of thing. So long story short, did the marathon. Wouldn't recommend it. Hard work. My backside hurt for about a week after this sort of thing. But you know, I've got that minor crown that I've run a marathon just because I felt like it. And I've kind of got that same mentality with my work. And I know that if I absolutely run in the opposite direction or the direction you know far away as i can from my comfort zone i know i'll get to a point where i'll go actually i can't turn back i'm i'm, I'm so far committed and i've thrown everything into it that there is no way back from it so that is how i'm running my business in the same way that i would you know do that challenge and that i would just run in the opposite direction as far as i possibly can to the point where there is no plan b yeah i i, I absolutely love that um it kind of made me think of like uh an estate agent wanting to prospect let's say and you know are you setting yourself up to succeed or fail with it right i'm ready to prospect but you've got your phone there with lots of you know potential dopamine hits from notifications yeah. popping off you've got your email you've got your crm or is it actually here's a notepad with a list of names and here's a a, a, a phone you can make phone calls and you can write notes like that's it you there's no other way right it's like you yep. said with, with running in the opposite direction absolutely and it comes back to our the beginning part we started about with having a goal for your business so you know my goal is to have 50 clients and one member of staff by the end of the year and um, i'm about a quarter of the way there in three weeks so i should hopefully knock that out of the park sort of thing but that is the direction i'm going in so if ever i think to myself you know, what should I be doing now? Or should I be working on this? Or should I not be working on this? If I can link that back to my goal for the business, if it doesn't align with that, put it down, do something else. Yeah, no, I think that's brilliant. And um, just on like all this uh, great sort of um, advice you've been giving, I did notice uh, when I was uh, stalking your LinkedIn, Chris. Uh, <laughs> I did notice, this. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you are a mentor at Agents Together, right? I am indeed, yes. And and how like how... How did that come about? How how are you finding it? And, and what are you getting out of it? 
Yeah, so it's really good actually. So um, I've had a, had a few chats with Sam first of all. I think he does an absolutely brilliant job on a on a side note, um, and I think it's just a, a great thing to do. So for me, it's a bit of a is it a busman's holiday? Is that the expression? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's very you know I've spent the last five years you know consulting businesses and coaching businesses and telling them to get more sales and what to do and what not to do and whatever else it may be. So um, you know dealing with Ryan, who I'm dealing with at the moment, who's my um, mentee. Um, you know, it's, it's very sort of day in, day out sort of thing. But it's great. It's, it's really good fun. And um, I try my hardest not to sound like his dad, um, if I'm if I'm brutally honest, because he's a bit younger than me, um, you know, very up and coming. And I do start your conversation, you know, if I was your age again, and if I were, you know, <laughs> all this sort of stuff. So I do try and hold back the dad talk sort of thing. But yeah, I think it's absolutely brilliant. So I think that everybody, you know, if you're in a position to, to offer back and to help people out, why wouldn't you? You know, and if you're in a position that where you think to yourself, actually, I could do with some help, why wouldn't you put a hand up for it? Yeah, I, I, I've been fascinated from like the outside looking in that there are there are people involved in agents together who are both a mentee and mentor. Yep. So they're they're giving they're giving back, but then they're uh, they're also getting something out of it as well. And I think that the best that I don't know about you, Chris, but like the best agents I've come across, they are not fixed mindset. They don't think they're the best in the world, and you can't show me anything. They're happy to share their knowledge, but they're also happy to to get new knowledge as well yep absolutely and i mean i've stolen an expression here and it's uh you never graduate from the university of sales and you can probably add that so you never graduate from the university of estate agency there's always more to learn there's always more to learn there's always more to do you never you know you never get your certificate to turn up in the post and say well done simon gates you've got 10 out of 10 on the estate agency test you've met you've made it you are now you know all-star estate agent sort of thing yeah. there's always another avenue coming out there's always a new medium coming out there's always another thing you can absolutely smash it out of the park on and so it's just having that mindset that actually you need to always improve and always push in the right direction because ultimately you're never done. You're never finished. Yeah, love that. Right. Coming towards the end of the podcast, I've got two or three more two or three more questions I want to ask. Um the one I want to ask now is you've we you sort of mentioned some uh you've actually answered questions without me even asking the questions which makes my life a lot easier Chris, so thank you uh, for that but you've, you've you've mentioned uh certain people um you've you've given advice there's been some quotes in here as well but in terms of you learning and growing and you said yep. never graduating from you know sales or estate agency where where are you going for like expanding your mind i like podcasts books webinars yep. people like wh where is it chris webb goes to 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 expand the mind yeah so i try and i want to try and focus outside the estate agency industry because i think that'd be a bit short-sighted so i do keep a hand on what's going on in the estate agency industry and kind of you know people on there and obviously podcasts like yourself for example um but i do try and keep a handle outside the industry as well because there's lots of things it's not like you know estate agency is the sun and the whole world revolves around it even though a lot of estate agents feel like that might be the case there's lots of there's lots of steps forwards in other parts of the world and other industries that you can kind of look at and go actually we can we can nick that and we can use that sort of thing so um i enjoy a lot of books about um sales body language robert caldini i'm a big fan of i'm mean, reading quite a few books i'm reading persuasion at the moment um and they're all effectively just about the art of let's say the art of selling is probably the wrong way of putting it but the you know the way your mind works when you actually want things you know supply and demand and you know being competitive against people and being consistent all these sort of things that you know you can translate quite easily into a sales role sort of thing 
So those would be my sort of go-to, I would say. Um, Alex Amosi, I'm a big fan of him. Um, he's yeah. very sort of straight talking to the point. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. Um, you know, one of the Robert Caldini books I'm listening to at the moment is 16 hours, whereas one of Alex's books is like four. And I've listened to it three times. So it shows you've got the value there sort of thing. And I think it's about recognizing how you learn as well. Um, so I've never been a big reader. I don't really enjoy reading. And I've kind of worked out that I can do a 20 minute window. So I'm going to read a book. You've got 20 minutes of my time. After that 20 minutes, mind wonders, what should I be doing? Should I be doing some yeah. work? Should I be doing this sort of thing? But that 20 minutes, I can focus and I can do it sort of thing. Podcast is about 40 minutes to an hour. So you've got your timing right for your podcast length. Um, anything over that, I'll start to wonder again sort of thing. So for me, it's about having sort of bite-side chunks and sort of, again, knowing how I can focus and knowing how my mind works sort of thing to go, right, 20 minutes book reading, I can do that. 40 minutes podcast, I can do that. And then I can move on from there. If I try and read an entire book in one go, which I never have, it wouldn't work. I would just be like, skip, skip, skip. Yeah, yeah, get the point. Uh, end of book, close book. That is, that's really interesting. And uh, I'm glad you said that because, again, I think there's people who listen to this podcast and every, Every guest that comes on is is there's there's lots of uh, similarities in certain in terms of high performers and consistency is one that uh, that comes out a lot. But you'll get some people who come on and and say, "Don't read," mm-hmm. but I'll I'll listen to a book or I'll I'll watch a webinar or I'll go onto YouTube or or whatever it is. So it's like like you said, figuring out what works for you and and going and doing that because it's all well and good going. Oh my god, I really want to be like this estate agent. And they've read all these books, so I've got to go read all those books. But if you're not a reader, then perhaps don't don't go down that that route. But I think that I think that it's the the not the stereotype necessarily attached to it, but that's fine. If you're not a reader, that is fine. It doesn't mean like you're stupid or you you can't actually read itself. It just means your the way your mind works means you've got twenty minutes an hour, whatever it may be, of focus on this topic before you go elsewhere. And that's fine for other people. They might be able to focus for four hours. That's not you. So, you know, there's no point trying to put a square peg in a round hole here. If you can't read for four hours, don't try and read for four hours. If you can only read for 20 minutes, great. Do 20 minutes every day. You'll do far better off than you would if you do zero minutes per day. But you need to just understand and accept kind of how you learn things. And that's fine. It doesn't mean you're thick or dumb or smart or not clever, whatever, because you can't do these things. It's just the way your mind absorbs information. Very true. Um, right, penultimate uh, question. Uh, I've seen your consistency on social media in terms of putting out um, uh, video content, uh, mm-hmm. which I think has been brilliant. So behind the scenes, for any agents listening who go, I don't have time to do that or something, mm-hmm. what's what's the secret behind the scenes? How many of you recorded? Are you time blocking? Mm-hmm. What, what are you doing that you've been so consistent putting out that content? So I would say that the um, the, the sentence you've said there has is, is highlight, highlighted the um, problem, but not the actual sort of main issue there. So if someone says to me, I haven't got the time to do it. That is, this is not a priority to me. Yeah, absolutely. That is ultimately what we're saying, because you've got time. If I said to you, have you got time for cashing this lottery ticket for a million quid? I bet you'd find time pretty darn quickly. So <laughs> it depends about what your priorities are in your day. And so if you're going, I haven't got time for social media, it's not a priority for you. I think that it's people thinking that they need to block out this a massive time and go, this is, you know, social media day is now Wednesday, for example, or whatever it may be. When really it's as simple as looking at your calendar for the week, two weeks advance and go, actually, I've got an open day on Saturday at that property. I'll do a quick video when I'm there sort of thing. I've got an instruction on Wednesday. I'll do a quick kind of sneak peek. Here's coming soon sort of property video there sort of thing. It will probably take you maybe when you first start, 
10 minutes because you might record it a couple of times because you think you've blinked too many times or whatever people get paranoid about. Um, but once you've done it a few times, you'll turn up, camera up, here's the video recording, save, job done, upload to Facebook or wherever you're putting it, job done. So that, I think that's the sort of reality of it if you do your diary structure correctly. How I do it, I do it completely differently to that. So as a cards on table, um, I will have a video recording day. So a video recording day is where it starts at nine in the morning and finishes at five o'clock in the afternoon and I record the videos all day. And I'll get about a month's worth of content out of that. Um, generally speaking, if I'm if I'm on my game, I don't generally do it on a Monday morning because I tried to on Monday a little while ago and got the number of mistakes I made and whatever else. I've got a bloopers video coming out tomorrow, um, uh, tomorrow morning, I think, and there's a lot of them. So if, if I can nail that pretty quickly, I'll get a month's worth of content in one go. And I'll just structure that throughout the month, um, at kind of the peak times um, of, of kind of social media posting. And then I can just kind of go to that when I want to. So, you know, I'll go onto LinkedIn once a day, add some comments, reply to some stuff back on there, sort of yeah. thing, send out some free stuff. So I love sending out free stuff. Um, and that'll be done for me. I'm then just, free to focus on just whatever I want to do. And just to delve a bit deeper on what you said, so you've got a day, nine to five. Yep. They'll, I, I, I think there will be some estate agents who there'll be like shiny penny syndrome mm-hmm. where something might come in like, oh, there's a million pound market appraisal. It only has yep. to be done at 12 o'clock. But, uh, and also the, again, getting distracted by notifications. So how how are you remaining, uh, not getting distracted and, and, and doing it in that time? And, and like, is there regular breaks? Like, how, what are you doing? Um, I will. So I'm very structured with regard to my diary organization. Um, and again, something I know about myself is I love structure and love organization. So which is, I mean, it sounds really boring, doesn't it? It's super sad. But I love a structure, love a, you know, you do this till this, then you do this, then you go for lunch at this point, And that's fine. Then you do this, then you do this, then you go home and go to the gym and do what you want to do sort of thing. So for me, that's how a diary structure should be laid out. It shouldn't be very sort of wild west let's see what happens today (laughs) watch the phone ring sort of thing so that structure shouldn't be in place to start off with and again it's about priorities in your business and if if you think to yourself actually this is more important than anything else you'll stick to it if you don't and think to yourself oh i'm just doing it because everyone else does it and believe in it then you probably won't stick to it it's like a diet that you don't really kind of like or enjoy sort of thing you'll do it for a month or so maybe two months sort of thing you'll hit the dip and think oh okay i've had enough of this now sort of thing i'm gonna jack it in sort of thing which is really where it's just start to kind of kick in you just start to really kind of gear it up sort of thing so yeah i mean the, the big difference is between kind of my videos should we say and most of videos is i have two tripods to set up i've got a green screen to set up i've got a load kind of the actual setup takes more time than actually recording the video sort of thing so that's why i do it in bulk because it just if i was doing a video a day for example every other day the amount yeah. of time it takes me to set up and get everything ready and mics up and all that sort of jazz sort of thing it just wouldn't be practical so yeah for me i do it in bulk but if i was doing it a kind of a job on the ground so to speak i would do it as and when i was at these properties it's interesting what you said there though and in terms of the setup takes longer than the actual thing you're yeah. doing uh and i think that just resonated with me massively because it's the same for 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 a lot of things like for example it said a lot in football they go play 90 minutes on a saturday but actually they're training all week mm-hmm that 90 minutes but without that training they're not going to get the best out of them in the 90 minutes so you've got to make sure the tripod's set up right the green screen's okay then you can go do 
do the videos. So I think it's yeah. interesting to hear. And I think it's about having the the mindset that you know it, it's it's probably due to somewhat in social media, and obviously LinkedIn is a social media, I suppose. Um, and it's about you kind of see the highlight reels of everyone else, and you're like, oh, so and so did an amazing video of this, and they're doing an amazing video tour of that sort of thing. They don't show them doing the six hours of leaflet dropping or door knocking or you know VIP letters or whatever else it may be in the background. You know, winning a business is boring. Winning a business yeah. is is the grind and it is the phone calls and it is the videos and it is this and it is that sort of thing. You know, there might be a big shiny thing at the end of it that says, oh, actually, now I've won the award and I've got an Esther or whatever it may be. And that's great sort of thing. That's cool. But, you know, there's a lot of work behind the scenes. And to kind of follow on from your football analogy, you know, everyone looks at someone like Ronaldo and goes, oh, best football in the world, good looking guy, cars, women, whatever else it may be. But would you want to be Ronaldo sat on a training pitch for so-and-so miles a day, kicking the same football in the same corner of a goal over and over and over again yeah. until his leg feels like it's going to fall off. And now it's like, right, now it's time for stretching. Now it's time for running laps around the block sort of thing. You know, it's a lot of work behind the scenes to see this highlight reel. And that's one thing that we are probably, you know, it, it's tougher these days with social media is because you look at it and you go, oh, I'm just seeing the highlight reel. I'm just seeing the best bit. I'm just seeing this guy's got five instructions from doing this social media post. And I've only just put on in, I've got three likes from my mum, my nan and my dad sort of thing. And <laughs> again, it's that chapter one, chapter 10 sort of thing. Yeah. You know, it, it very much comes back to that. But yeah, I think it's about your priorities in your business, setting out that structure and then just following it. And that sounds really simple. But if you set out a, a structure where you think, actually, this is going to, get to my goal at the end of the line in the day sort of thing and i follow this through on a daily hourly basis just do that you don't need to make more and you feel like you're having a break you feel like actually i've done three videos and i've cocked them all up in a row sort of thing and i don't i'm not doing very well did have a break have 10 minutes go do something else come back to it sort of thing you know give yourself that permission to do that as long as you get it done that's fine yeah, I absolutely love that and it's, it's made me think of the conversation we're having before we hit record chris where i said oh, i need to cut my grass today so after we finish recording this podcast, I'm going to go cut the grass because I think if I don't do it now, as the get, day goes on, I will continue to lose motivation to do it. It will then get to this evening. I'll go, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. So it's yep. like, I will go do that after after this podcast. Right. So last question. Um, I think I asked this on 99% of my podcast uh, episodes. So you might not, but you might know what's coming. Um, but we're going to take you um, all the way up to Newport Pagnell. Uh, you are could be independent could be corporate could be franchise could be self-employed but you are not known in newport pagnell you're about to want to go and sell some houses there blank check money's no object what are the first few things you're doing to to get yourself out there and, and get some listings yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna mirror what paul i've said on his podcast or on your podcast a while ago and i'm gonna i'm gonna ignore the limitless budget sort of thing because otherwise <laughs> i'll put that limitless money into a, a very high dividend etf and i'd retire um so <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll put a realistic sort of you know goal and expectation for what I would do in that situation. Um, if I was a a one man band, let's say I was an EXP or whatever it may be operating that area, um, how many households are in Newport Pagnell? As a as a man, you might know. I should really know that, shouldn't I? Uh, there will probably be about eight thousand properties, I'd say. Okay, good. So that's not a, a massive amount. I was expecting like fifty thousand or forty thousand or some ridiculously high figure. Then good. So um, I would. Well, if, if I had a local network, I would start there. So we would, you know, start kind of the bottom of your funnel, which is, you know, people you know and friends, family and connections and whatever else. So we're going to skip that bit and go kind of straight around to the top of the funnel sort of thing. Um, I would divide up my day into or divide up my top of my funnel into two parts. One part of it is done by me and one of it is done by other people. 
And the done by other people part would be a, a bulk leaflet drop that goes out once a month. And that's probably going to be you know, Royal Mail or a door-to-door chap or whatever it may be. Um, things like Facebook ads as well, unless you're particularly good at that sort of stuff, you can do it yourself, but 99% of the population aren't. So I would get that done for me. Um, I would then pick a particular area of uh, Newport Pagnell. So I've never been to Newport Pagnell, so I don't know any areas in there. So we'll say South Newport Pagnell. Yeah. Uh, and that would be a smaller territory of probably 2,000 households, that sort of direction. Um, and I would be the king of that area. And what I mean yeah. by that is I would be trying to level up as many jobs as I possibly can do in one go. So as a, as a small business owner, as you well know, you've got many plates to spin at one time. So if we can spin quite a few of those and sort of on one stick sort of thing. That's a really good win. So for me, you know, it would be the bulk leaflet drop going out. I would then double that up with a leaflet drop between those monthly leaflet drops on top of that as well. So I would do that myself. Um, I would be dropping off withdrawn letters to anyone who I know that's been withdrawn from the market in that area as well. And I'll be knocking on the doors of anybody in that area that I would be when I was out delivering leaflets. So basically, I'm doing three jobs in one. So I'm delivering leaflets, number one, to most houses. So 99% of people get a, a leaflet from me on that trip around their housing estate. And ones who are withdrawn from the market, they get a letter from me. Thank you very much. Do you want to come back on the market? Because, you know, not come back on. And anybody who's on the market gets me knocking on their front door saying, hi, this is me sort of thing. So you're kind of doing three jobs in one there. Yeah. If you do that and along with your kind of local social media content as well saying, you know, this is me, I'm in the area, I'm by the school or the community centre or whatever else it may be. If you're looking to sell in those 2000 households, you'll absolutely know who you are sort of thing. You'll absolutely be on the radar and you'll be called out on those market appraisals. So I think the the first step is to almost, you know, one of the things that did get from I did take from Countrywide is the kind of idea of being on the radar. And what I mean by being on the radar is if the homeowner was to instruct an estate agent or disinstruct their current estate agent, do they even know who you are? Yeah. Or are they just going to go to the yellow pages and go, right, I've done ABC estate agents, let's go DEF estate agent because they're next in the book sort of thing. So if you're delivering leaflets in the area, your social media is in the local area, you're door knocking in the local area, doing less in the local area, at least you are on the radar, at least you've got a chance getting to the front door there. Yeah, I, I love that. So much takeaway from that. But I'd say the, t- the two key points for me are you on their radar, because I think, again, we can be too obsessed with our industry and think that, oh, yeah, well, every homeowner knows who all the estate agents are, but actually say to them, name me three estate agents they might struggle outside of the well-known you know national corporates or or um you know some of the sort of like the purple bricks for example that have had millions and millions of pounds uh on marketing uh and then i love what you said about leaflet dropping door knocking kind of thing because i think it's a classic classic example of james clear atomic habits like that was habit stacking if you're already out there leaflet dropping why not knock on that door of the one who, who's on the market um, so I love that. And in terms of you said uh, South Newport Pagnell. So I live um, on an area which is called the Poets Estate. And it just got me thinking when you you said what you said, like um, if I was ever on like, I don't know, Pointless or Mastermind or something like I'd be pretty good at naming poets because every street is named after a poet where I live. Yeah. So, you know, it could be a, a so, you know, social media video or a post into into the, the Poets Estate Facebook group. And just giving a bit of information about, you know, I live on Goldsmith Drive. So a bit of history about that poet, you know, what they've written. Um, and maybe people would find that interesting. So that just came into my mind when you started saying what yeah. you're saying. And I think for me, I think that, again, it's the chapter one versus chapter 10 side of things is that I would be thinking to myself, right, I've just launched an estate agency business. I want instructions. And I'd be thinking to myself, OK, there's for my, for my social media, there's or for anything, there's short term and there's long term. Yeah. Um, short term for me is 
do you want your house valued? Are you on the market? Can I come and see you? I'm selling properties, you know, today sort of thing. The the forward stuff is very sort of brand awareness. And I've been interviewing this cafe owner who's been yep. here for 20 years old, Don, whatever, um, all these sort of stuff. And that that's great. And that will pay off in six months time sort of thing. And that is important. But we need to get to a stage, first of all, where we are doing this stuff. And I think lots of people make the mistake of kind of looking at other people who are maybe a few chaps ahead of them. Yeah and go oh so and so interviews his local hairdresser and that's that's cool sort of thing but i'll be going right we've just launched a business you know unless that hairdresser says oh yes i'm looking to sell my property <laughs> I, I cut every person who wants to sell the homes you know houses the priority should be kind of the now and the today sort of thing but yes down the line absolutely let's build into that part of the business that brand awareness sort of thing but let's get you off the ground first of all and then we can worry about that love that i think i think that's a great great place to end chris in terms of again comparing chapter one with chapter 10 of you've got to think short term long term what what's going to get your business today and then also what's going to get your business in the, in six months time so uh, on behalf of myself and all the listeners chris thank you very much for coming on and being an amazing guest i really appreciate it uh, you're more than welcome it's been very good thank you very much